Hello there, the warmest of welcomes to Two Parkers in a Pod, the podcast for people with Parkinson's, by people with Parkinson's. I'm Dave, he's Kuhn. Together we've had the condition for more than 20 years. That figure, though, pales into insignificance compared to today's guest. He's had Parkinson's for nearly 50 years. Yes, 50 years, Kuhn. Yes, since 1975, which, believe it or not, was the same year I was born. So his, uh, his Parkinson's is as old as me. Quite incredible. And still going strong. We'll talk to Matt Eagles in a bit. What have you been up to? You've been quite busy, haven't you, recently? Yeah, I mean, um, it, it's this time of year where it's uh, Parkinson's Awareness uh, Month and uh, I've been doing my little bit to, to spread the word about, about the condition, which is still a bit uh, strange for me. Um, still not completely comfortable talking about talking about it, uh, which sounds strange after 14 episodes of a podcast that's dedicated <laughs> to Parkinson's. But, you know, it's, it's still a strange time and I've always sort of got mixed emotions this time of year and... Uh, uh, it's not that I'm cynical about these things, but when World Parkinson's Day is over or the month is over, it's kind of like, well, what's next? You know, yeah. people tend to have short memories, unfortunately. I did my dopamine dance, which was a bit of an internet I sensation. Saw that. Yes, yeah. How many views did it get? Three quarters of a million or something. Blimey. <laughs> Quite crazy. There's some great moves. Um, yeah. But yeah, anything to, to spread the word and, and raise awareness, it's got to be a good thing. And hopefully, it will have a sort of long lasting effect. I've also been making some moves on eBay this week. I'm, All right. I'm a bit addicted to it, actually. My mate recently admitted that his biggest regret was getting rid of his vinyl collection. He gave mm. it to a charity shop. So I thought as a present, it's been quite nice to me over the years, I've replaced some of his vinyl collection. So I've been busy bidding for 80s albums on, on eBay. And I, I went in for, for the Rio album by Duran Duran from 1982. And I went, went a few times and missed out. So I thought, I got, I got quite excited going for the final bid. My pay at Parkinson's, I was a bit shaky. I meant to bid £10.15. <laughs> my reserve price was £1,015. Oh, my word. <laughs> luckily, luckily, it only went to £8.47, so the bid didn't kick in, but quite Oh, nice. wow. What, what an expensive mistake that would have been. If I'd have been up against some diehard Durrani from 1982, I could have lost a fortune Blimey. there. I would have loved to have seen the claim that you made afterwards <laughs> to get a refund. <laughs> it's not the first bad experience I've had on eBay because I once, I once bought a bed for the, boy, the boys. And it it's was not the Kenny Everett bed, is it? No, no, it was a bed, one of those beds, with a bunk bed with, with a with like an office yeah, downstairs. Yeah, yeah, one and, of those. And a, and a chair and everything, yeah, yeah. really, really yeah, cool. Yeah. It cost me £1,000. Blimey. So I put it on eBay, I thought, I won't put a reserve on it. I got £4.95 for it. <laughs> <laughs> woman came round, got the biggest bargain. I didn't even take the money off her, I thought, uh, it's not worth but, it. But but these things, it's, it's more a matter of just offloading it, right? Exactly. So the space it takes... I've been moving and shaking on eBay. A man who's been moving and shaking for more years than you can count is Matt Eagles. Let's have him now. Matt Eagles, welcome to Two Parkers in a Pod. Thank you very much, Dave and Kuhan. How are we? We're good, thanks. We're, we're good, thanks. How are you, more to the point? I'm really good, and I'm actually honoured to be on this podcast because I've been, to be honest, been down to get on it for ages, but you never asked me. <laughs> 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 it was a big, big cue to get on, yeah. Yeah, I can imagine I know why. <laughs> it's the first time this is actually three parkies in a pod, actually. It's the first time we've had three three of us live. So it's very much a first for us, and you're, you're more than welcome. <laughs> Thank you. Do you know, between us, I wonder how many years we've got of Parkinson's experience. Well, I reckon that between us, it's got to be, what, over 70-odd years? I would say pretty close, yeah. Three experts. <laughs> Tell us your Parkinson's story, Matt, for those who don't know you. For those who don't know me, and I'm nearly falling off my chair now because I'm so excited to be on this show, and I'm just going to ask, um, 
My story actually begins in the mid-1970s, many, many moons ago. And basically it happened at, <clears throat> at infant school in assembly when I couldn't stand up for morning assembly. I kept on falling back and my headmaster noticed this and mentioned it to my mother. Now, I'd already have been having problems with, with balance issues and that kind of thing beforehand. And I'd been walking on my tiptoes and had been having like a frozen shoulder pain as well. But they initially thought I'd got a brain tumour or I'd got juvenile arthritis. But having spent many, many weeks in hospital, they found that that wasn't the case. And I've only actually recently found out through my medical, digital medical records that they actually knew I'd got Parkinson's on my seventh birthday in 1975. Ah, the year I was born. Oh, yeah. <laughs> was it? You don't, you don't look that old, Kuhan. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, a good year. <laughs> yeah, clearly a good. And a year West Ham won the FA Cup as well. And that's, uh, that's directed at Dave Clark being a Leeds fan. <laughs> really was an exceptional year then. <laughs> it really was. No, so I spent a lot of time in hospital as a young boy. Um, really good. I was trying to, trying to really sort of say it wasn't Parkinson's because obviously as a young kid, they just hadn't seen these kind of symptoms before. Mm. So I really didn't look forward to my weeks because... I was like a health tourist, if you like. I spent my weeks in hospital and was allowed home at weekends for good behaviour. It was a bloody inconvenient. The worst thing for me was that I've always been a huge football fan. I used to love playing in goal, but such, such as the slowness of my movement, I'd end up diving what I thought was the time to save the ball. By the time I dived, the ball was in the net. So I wasn't particularly popular with my, my schoolmate. Did they tease you at all for, for, for it? No. Bizarrely, some of the te- some of my old school teachers that uh, teased me a lot more than my fellow pupils did. Back then, it was they didn't know. See, my Latin teacher used to call me dead legs. And a history teacher used to call me sparrow legs as well. I mean, I don't think it particularly upset me because I think back then, teachers were a different kettle of fish. They, you wouldn't get away with that now. Has that, has that left scars with you? Are you still damaged by that? No, I think because of my positive mindset, I think I remember the good times and I put the bad times to the back of my mind. A couple of years ago, a guy got in contact with me through LinkedIn and apologised to me for for bullying me. Now, I don't remember this, but apparently he he did, he bullied me. But the irony of it was, this kid was the only black kid in our school. And I, he was a good friend of mine, so I didn't think it was bullying. So, now, I actually look back at my school days very positively, to be fair, because, simply because... I used to get involved in so many different activities, from sport to doing where you swap schools with other pupils. I went on a couple of French exchanges. I was in the choir. 
I got involved in Oliver Twist. Uh, I used to read in assembly regularly um, because of my elocution background. I, you know, I really look back fondly at my school days. Even though, obviously, there were the issues with, with bullying, but I don't really look back at it as a bad thing, which I think that's probably helped me. Because if you dwell on things like that, you could you could really sort of go to town. But I'd far rather remember the good times. What happened when you left school? Because did you go straight into work there or what happened? No, no. I managed to do what my mother always wanted me to do, which was study law. And I studied law at the uh, City of London Polytechnic in London. Now, this is why my voice, this is why my voice is like it is. Because when I was younger, um, I used to speak with a strong Mancunian accent that I picked up in primary school. But my mother hated my accent, even though she was a Mancunian herself. So she made me have elocution lessons and speech and drama lessons, which in hindsight have really, really helped me. Because it's helped me aided speak in public and speak in school assembly and everything else. But it's also helped me enunciate as well. And I've had problems with my voice in my Parkinson's journey. But having elocution lessons and knowing how to enunciate has really, really helped. So that actually helped me in my law uh, degree. Because I, I was much more confident than a lot of my fellow colleagues at speaking out in public i mean the power of the voice it sounds like you had an early version of speech and language therapy through through your elocution do you know what kuhan i couldn't recommend it more i really couldn't but not only that it gave me the confidence to speak in public and speak in front of other people and that in itself it is a is a real sort of it gives you the confidence just to be, be in front. I mean, Day Clarky. I mean, you you you've done it hundreds of times in front of thousands of people. Doesn't it give you a huge amount of confidence to be able to to be able to have people listening to what you're saying and knowing that they're they're actually listening to you, not just hearing you. They're listening to what you've got to say. Yeah, I mean, it was it was great for me carrying on broadcasting for 10 years with Parkinson's, but you amazed me. You, 50 years and you're still going strong. It's incredible. I'm, I'm just thinking your entire life having Parkinson's. You, you've been through some seminal moments. You, you passed your driving test with Parkinson's. I did, yes. You went to university with Parkinson's. I did. You got married with Parkinson's. You, all that sort of stuff. Just tell, tell us a bit about all that. Well, I've done some pretty crazy things, but yes, you're absolutely right. I passed my driving test first time in 1986, I think. Um, And I drove until the year 2001. But I had one or two incidents which worried me, where I was stuck in traffic and my medication stopped working. And it made driving exceedingly difficult. Only for me, made it very dangerous for other people. Now, I think the defining moment, I mean, I haven't driven that since 2001, uh, simply because it's just too dangerous for me. My my symptoms are too unpredictable. 
Um, so I, just, I voluntarily said, look, it's just not safe. And I think the defining moment, guys, was when I was I was driving for work. My foot went into spasm on the accelerator. And I found myself doing nearly 100 miles an hour, coming up to a roundabout. And I literally thinking, I'm going to die. I can't stop the car because I couldn't get my foot off the accelerator. And I ended up grabbing the wheel with one hand and physically lifting my right leg off the accelerator to slow the car down. And that, when I got back to work, which I did fortunately safely, I was in such a state. I hadn't crashed or anything, but I just frightened myself that much. And that was it. That was like, no, Matt. It's time, and it was a big, it was a huge decision to say enough is enough, because the car was a lot of a big lifeline for me, but at the end of the day, keeping me and myself, and more importantly, I felt the drivers safe was a no-brainer, so I decided to give up my driving. Yeah, we've spoken about it in our um, travel episode about uh, driving. It, you know, it's a big thing. And the conclusion that Dave and I came to, and, you know, it, it's the one that you've come to. You'll know the right time to, to, to give up when it's a danger to yourself uh, and to others. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm interested, to, given that you got diagnosed so young and given that you've lived with the condition for, for so long, when did you actually first meet somebody else with Parkinson's? This is a super interesting question, actually. I didn't meet anybody for about 20, must be over 20 years. Wow. Who had Parkinson's, so. I mean, the the internet and the connectivity that it's provided is phenomenal. Being able to communicate, being able to meet other people with, with the same condition is just, it's like finding a, a gold coin in the snow it's like hooray somebody else knows you know gets me and is that how you first connected with other parkies then through the internet well no i started going to a local group these a lot of the people they were don't get me wrong they were lovely people but they were really struggling and i was there and at the time it it was in my era of going to the... I used to smoke back then. I used to drink. And I, looking back, I don't know how they put up with me because I used to come into the meeting smoking, having pints, and they were all on their sparkling mineral water. And I I didn't cause any problems or anything, but I thought, looking back, I thought, how rude were you, Matt, you know? But they must have looked at you... And thought, what, what are you doing here? Because you, you must have been a good deal younger than them, right? Yeah, yeah. But I, I just wanted to... It's like being with fellow football supporters, being somebody with your fellow cat. There's a, there's, a, there's a kindred spirit there, you know? There's a kind of camaraderie there, right? There is. And I think that's why so many people with, with Parkinson's feel so lonely, because they just haven't met... Or they ha- they haven't they're, not, they're too scared to sort of get in public and meet other people and see how they might become. But the chances of you being like anybody else is very rare, I would say, because as we all know, we're all unique. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've mentioned before on this podcast for years I didn't 
and made a point of not meeting any other parkies because I, I just found it too daunting. I found it was it was a dose of reality when, when I saw others and met others. And uh, when I did, eventually, I found it quite comforting because um, I always say empathy trumps sympathy in, in the way that when you meet another parkie, they just get it. They just understand, you know, totally. in a way that a non-parkie, you know, they can they can try to understand. They can you can explain it, but um, they never they never really get it, do they? Uh, they, they? They can't, by by definition. No, you don't know what it's you don't you don't know what it's like to have Parkinson's unless you've got Parkinson's, do you? That's yeah. the bottom line. Exactly, but in a strange kind of way, Clarky, it's kind of comforting. I know it's not very nice, but it's comforting when you see the people sort of yeah. getting a bit disconnected or, mm. or losing their back. It's not comforting in that it's comforting knowing that you know you get what they're going through. Do you know what I mean? It's not, it's not. It's never nice to see people, but it's kind of comforting in a way. It's like being in a club. Um, talk, talking of a club, I think we've got some questions from from some guests, haven't we, David? Should, should we have the first one? My name is Barbara Salzberg Matthews, and I'm calling from Guelph, Ontario, Canada. Hello, Dave. It's good to have you do what you're doing, and uh, appreciate your dopamine dance. And Matt. Well, Matt, you are amazing, resilient, and a true, true inspiration to me and many of us with uh, Parkinson's. Um, My question to you is this. I know for myself there are days when sometimes it's very, very difficult to remain positive and to keep on going and carrying forward. What gets you through those humps what gets you over those very dark times can any suggestions are always welcome thank you thank you again barbara thank you very much indeed for your question um i think what gets me through the dark times is i'm not actually allowed to be sad and dwell on things my my wife my wife is absolutely brilliant can tell if I'm, if I'm feeling a bit down. And she'll sort of say, she'll either encourage me to do something or ask me, ask me the question, what are you feeling sad about? And actually, when I sort of think to myself, why am I feeling sad? The answer is, I don't know. I've always been like, it's not my fault. There's nothing I can do about this. And also, it makes my symptoms worse when I'm feeling sad. So, I guess, by being positive and being happy, you, you, you're able to communicate better with others. Others feel better about you. I think if, if you give off a bad vibe, which is understandable when you have Parkinson's, it doesn't always... I know it's not the thing people want to hear, but it doesn't always attract people to come and see you. But if you're happy and smiling, I think your symptoms get better, you feel better in yourself, and people automatically come and communicate with you. So I took a vow of positivity years ago, and I always like to get out and meet people, and that just keeps me going through the hard times. Because, to be honest, I have had some tough times. Uh, and I know, maybe not the platform, but 
I mean, I've I've actually sat and looked in the mirror and punched myself in on in the cheek so many times just because I got so frustrated. Fortunately, I haven't done that for years, but I have had my dark times. I'm not. I haven't always been as positive as I am now. I can. I completely get that. Um, one thing that you just said there, it's not my fault. I think is a is a is a theme that I think resonates for me because I think a lot of us, you know, I'm not sure if we blame ourselves, but um, you, when you when your mood starts to fluctuate and you have periods of low mood, I think it's very important to understand that this condition is is what's causing that a lot of the time because not only is it controlling our mood. It's controlling our mood and motivation. We can't help it. We can't help but have these have these low times, and uh, it's not something we should we should blame ourselves for. Yeah. And at the same time, it's okay to have a to have an off day in in, in that sense as well. You know, it's, yeah. or an off off time, because um, we can't always be uh, positive. And uh, but I, I do like the idea of a, a, a vow of positivity. That that's that's a. A great notion, and, and Dave and I always remark that the people that we see doing best with this condition—I wouldn't say doing well, but doing best with, with this condition—the people that seem to have that sort of outlook. And uh, it, it's difficult to do, but if you can maintain some some positive outlook on life, that state of mind influences the state of body because the two are so intrinsically linked. And Parkinson's teaches you that very early on. I think one of the things is. Everybody has their own Everest to climb, and uh, some for some people it is literally Everest. But other people, just even being able to just make a cup of coffee gives them a, and doing it successfully without spilling it that that's a positive for them. So I think you have to take take pleasure in the little, the little things that matter to you on a daily basis. I've got a little confession to make here. I was I was feeling a bit flat for a couple of days and I saw Matt was in London. So I decided to go see him because I need a bit of a Matt boost. So <laughs> we, we met for a coffee. It was amazing because he, he made his way down to London from Manchester by himself. Got got everything sorted out on the train. Every, it was incredible. You know, 50 years of Parkinson's, he's still independent, still, still getting dressed, coming out, coming out to London. He was going to give a prize at a... A, a big awards award ceremony that night. Met him for a coffee, and he was so positive and so brilliant. It was it was like a it was like an adrenaline shot from a parky to parky. It was fantastic. And uh, thank you for that, Matt, because I, I was I was I was I had two days of feeling down, feel, feeling sorry for myself, and you cheered me up and, and made me feel great for the next week. It was fantastic. I was very jealous of you actually, Dave, because you managed to carry two drinks without spilling. Them. <laughs> that kind of made my day. Well, uh, that's quite remarkable. Because normally, you can only carry one drink, or at least that's his excuse when he goes to the bar. <laughs> no, it's lovely to see you too, Dave. Really lovely. An adrenaline shot from other parties. I like that. It's, you've, you've, got, you've got you've got a great attitude, Matt, because you, you don't hide away. You go out in public. You've got these. T- you have this T-shirt that says, "I'm not pissed. I've got parkies." Yeah, which I think <laughs> breaks down barriers straight away. You you often often wear that T-shirt. And, I and, do. And the think the thinking behind that just just it's, it breaks down the, the the walls, doesn't it? That I think the main thing behind this, Dave, is we all know that when we walk down the street, we often stagger, and where we're moving is unpredictable. So people naturally look and stare because they're worried that perhaps they might get caught up in something or they might get 
They're just concerned about their own safety as much as ours. And people, that worries people with Parkinson's. I mean, I know a lot of people hate people looking at them. But I, I take it as a, as a positive, because if people are looking at you, then you can say it's okay. It's a chance for you to educate them. So it's okay. I've got Parkinson's. I'm not pissed or whatever you might say. But if you wear the T-shirt, that's a double whammy because not only do they walk up. I mean, I've had so many interactions at public engagements wearing these T-shirts. But it makes people smile. It puts them at ease. One of the funniest stories, Dave, was, was when I was at Alton Park. And I was, I had a, a walker and I was walking with my wheelchair at the time. And these two Scouse lads came up to me and said, and they, you could smell that they'd had a, a fair bit to drink. And they came up and said, we are pissed and we haven't got parkies. And they <laughs> fell about laughing and they thought it was hilarious. If you, if you took everything that happens when you have parkies, like spilling stuff, not being out, the frustrating things that happen... Like falling over, not being able to do your shoelaces, not being able to tie. All these things, if you take them at face value, then you're going to get upset and your life is going to be pretty... You're going to be an angry person. Going back to what you said before, it's not our fault that we're like this. You know, so why why punish yourself? Yeah, I like the fact that you take it as an opportunity to educate others. And Dave's very good at this as well. You know, when he's out in public and somebody notices his symptoms, he'll, he'll just he'll just say it and uh, explain it where, where necessary. And uh, mm. I, I think you're in the same mindset. You know, for me, I'm still on that. I'm still going through that process of being comfortable talking to others about it, particularly members of the, of the public, because, you know, I always find it a little bit daunting and I'm not used to it. I'm getting a bit better at it, but, uh, uh, you know, I take inspiration from you guys. It's practice, Kuhan. I think it, it honestly, the more, I mean, I, if I see people, I can, I can spot people from like 100 yards looking at me and it's okay, it's okay, I've got Parkinson's. And it's, and people, people will acknowledge and go, Oh, okay. Can I help you? One of the one of the most amazing stories that I've ever had was is in Macclesfield. I was walking through the centre of town years ago, and it was a nice sunny day, and I had my walking cane, but I had dark wrap around dark glasses on, and there was a guy who I was a he, he was he had spiky coloured hair and all sorts of piercings and tattoos and everything. And he started to come very, very close to me just as I was about to cross the road. And I was a little bit nervous. Not, yeah, what's this guy doing here? And he actually linked my arm and helped me across the road. And it just got, I mean, I thought, you know, this guy looked a bit dodgy. And I should never, never judge people by what how they look. It's how they act. And this guy, he actually thought I was... He actually thought I was blind because I had the dark glasses on. But the fact was he he actually linked my arm and helped me get across the road. And that was just, I was so grateful. Mm. I, th- I think it's interesting when, when when you see people with some, some impairment, sh- shall we say, wh- where it's obvious, I, th- I think that conversation almost becomes a little bit easier. Where it's less obvious, and I'll probably put myself in this category because it's not always obvious to others that I've got this condition because sometimes I can appear normal in that sense I find it a little bit more challenging 
at the times when I'm particularly off and I'm having issues with balance and so on, where a lot more obvious that there's something up, then I find it perhaps easier to have that conversation. But perhaps, you know, the times where I'm just feeling a bit slow, but it's not immediately obvious it could be something to do with movement or Parkinson's, then that's the time I find it a bit more challenging to to explain. Um, Some of the, some of the, symptoms that you refer to there in terms of you know people thinking that you're pissed and so on that a lot of that is is dyskinesia isn't it would would you say that's your worst symptom dyskinesia is the most disabling and the most unpredictable yeah i mean in many respects i'd rather be a little bit off than get dyskinetic because you when when you get i mean i've calmed down now from earlier but when i was earlier on you're just not in control of anything. You don't, I mean, you can hit, you can sort of, your arms flail about, your body, flail. I mean, I've actually ripped my trapezius muscle in the past doing that, and it becomes so painful. Going back to letting people know, Kuhan, it's like, if you say, I'm okay, I have got Parkinson's, the more you can say that, to people, it doesn't matter who that. The more people you can say that to random people, I always, I always think I get in it. I get it in first. If ever I go into a pub or anything, and I'm staggering, which I do a lot these days, and I don't mean going to pubs, but going into establishments, the first thing I'll say to the person, first person I meet is, "It's okay, I've got Parkinson's." Or if you see me staggering around, don't worry, I'm not pissed. I've got Parkies. And instantly people smile and they're at ease you know better than anyone Matt about about medicine the meds because I met a woman the other day who said I'm not going on meds because you know I don't want to Uh, she was four years down the line with Parkinson's and I said it'll improve your life massively she 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 didn't want to go on Labour Day because of the side effects you were talking about there but you know when you need them you need them don't you absolutely now I was actually I mean, I first went on cinema when I was eight years old. Blimey! And um, and I, I would have tried anything at that age, I guess, just to help me cause, and get me back to some kind of a normality. But the the bonus for me was getting paid fifty p by my consultants. He said, "If you take these tablets, I'll give you fifty p." And I've actually worked out I'd probably be a million if I got paid fifty p. Which is big money for an eight-year-old back in the seventies. I I could be a multi-millionaire. I reckon I've taken over two hundred and twenty thousand units of medication in my parky career so far. Hang on, the NHS has really changed. We've got to pay for our prescriptions now, and uh, you were being incentivised to take your meds then. I know, right? Yeah. Are you still on Cinemet uh, half a century later? I'm still on El Dopa, um, but I'm not on Cinemet. I, I took Yes, I'm on Madapar, yeah. I took Cinemet for about 10 years till I was about 18, and then I began having panic attacks. Now, ironically, as, it, as the uh, title race is coming to a conclusion, it was at Main Road. I remember it very, very well, and it was... Manchester City against Arsenal many, 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 many moons ago. But it was horrendous. I remember it well. I thought I was going to die. And I was when the match had finished, I was almost... 
I just wanted some water or some liquid to help calm me down. And I was almost sort of bending down to sort of scoop water up from muddy puddles. That was my fit. I was so frightened that I thought I needed something to sort some some liquid into. Anyway, I can't cut a long story short. I went into hospital and I was moved from Cinemet to Madapa. And I haven't looked back since. I'm still on Madapa some 40 odd years later. We should point out that so both are types of levodopa, which, um, and they've existed for, for, for that long, several decades, I think since the 60s. And it's, it's a bit disconcerting that things haven't moved on significantly in that time period. But I'm interested about panic attacks because I used to suffer from panic attacks as well. And I've, I've heard other people with Parkinson's suffer from panic attacks. And um, I was talking to a researcher and they were suggesting, you know, panic attacks and, and anxiety more generally are one of the earlier symptoms of Parkinson's yeah. it sounds like you suffered from from your early childhood as well I mean yeah it's part I mean I'm lucky that I don't suffer them anymore but again they were I suffered them for about ugh, cracky in my mid mid late teens early 20s and they were horrendous because I used to be very outgoing uh I used to go to the cinema I used to go out a lot but I was getting them in during car journeys at the cinema, it was only by doing cognitive behavioural therapy and actually sitting through the bad experiences and actually realising that, hey, I'm not going to die watching a film or whatever in the cinema, that I overcame it. It took a lot of work, though, but I managed to do it, fortunately. Likewise, but they really are terrible, aren't they? They are. They really are. You literally feel like you're going to die. And I think it's it's slightly it could be worse for people with Parkinson's because particularly when you're off, it affects the absorption of your medication anyway when you're anxious. And of course, the feeling of wanting to get up and run away—you don't know where—but you just want to get away from where the situation you're in. But the fact that you can't makes things even worse. And I I always carry a bit of water with me wherever I go. Because if I do feel anxious, I just have a sip of water, try and take a deep breath, which again is difficult with people with Parkinson's because the diaphragm's affected. And that, that sees me through. That That's my comforter, a bottle of water. Yeah, a breathing, deep breathing. Yeah, I, I get clammy hands when I get panicky and uh, I, I try not to have too many layers on yeah. as well. That, that's the other thing, yeah. Um, we've got another question, uh, Dave, for, for, for Matt. Yeah, we've got one from John here. Let's have a listen. Hi, Dave. Hi, Matt. Um, John Roach from Northern Lights in Liverpool. Uh, diagnosed in 2012, so my 11th year now. Um, and I've watched with great interest as Matt, even in, that, even in my journey time, has continued to defy the condition and live life to the full. So my question would be, as we set off from here, we're, we're putting together our five-year plan, and I'd like to know what Matt can, would consider to be an essential element of that plan. He's seen everything, done everything, and walked the walk, so if anyone's entitled to have an input in, in, in a five-year plan, it's Matt. So, yeah, I'd really appreciate that. Thank you. 
five-year plan. Is it good to have a five-year plan or not? My plan is not to have a plan, really, Dave, actually. Um, I, I know that. I mean, John, I think I, I've certainly interacted with John a few times, and he's a scouser like I am by birth. So he's obviously of strong constitution. It is good to make plans, but um, I go with the moment, Dave, to be honest, because my condition can change by the minute. So I might—I don't know what I'll be like in five years. I mean, we talked about anxiety briefly, and I would get so anxious, I think, if I actually thought what might happen or might be in the future. I would just do things that, do things that you can do now. Always, always believe in your own ability to do stuff. Try and challenge yourself as well. I mean, I've done, I've done a wing walk, which was one of the most scary things. Of course you did, yeah. <laughs> it was, honestly, it was one of the most exciting, exhilarating experiences I've ever done. What, what's a wing walk, Matt? It's when you stand on and you're strapped, you kind of clamber on top of a biplane and it flies round with you standing on the top of the wings. Oh, one of those old school propeller planes and you're standing yes. on the top? Yes. Oh, yes, yes. Oh, wow. It's, is there a video is, of this? There is. I can share it with you, actually, afterwards. Oh, uh, I'll dig it out. We'll, we'll, we'll share it uh, with, with, the, with the podcast. <laughs> yes, please do, please do. But it is, it's one of the most exhilarating experiences as well. But this is one thing that the parky brain, it's so frustrating. It does tend to catastrophize situations. So when you're thinking about doing these amazing events and things, you think, oh my goodness, what the worst thing that could happen. Or, But when you're actually up there, <laughs> I really, really enjoyed it. It was fantastic. And in fact... I've done that. I've done the uh, zip line in Wales twice. Once for Parkinson's UK and once for a promotional video. And that that's like a, where you, you sort of lie down and you fly down a, a, in, a, over a quarry at like, up to like 60, 70 miles an hour. I, I've seen that video and I, I got goosebumps just watching that. So. But that, that, again, that looks a lot worse than it is, but... When you've got Sally, who's brilliant from the Oxford branch of Parkinson's UK, is in her 70s and she's like next door, she can't exactly bottle it. Or you've got a 10-year-old guy, uh, well, I, th- I, think, I think you have to be over 10, but maybe a 12-year-old who, who's waiting behind you, looking really excited. You get, and you're looking and thinking, oh my God, do I really want to do this? And you think, well, if they can, why can't I? Now, I think, challenging yourself at the exhilaration of i mean i've done a skydive tandem skydive as well and i've abseiled down manchester town hall but all the all of these things it's like they scare you and they're a bit scary to do while you're doing them but when you get down it's such a sense of achievement and that and that by far overrides the fear that you originally have i always say to people always have something in the diary that excites you Live in the moment, but have something in the future to look forward to. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think that, that sound advice, that is, Clarky, sound advice. We've mentioned a few inspirational people. Um, I've heard you talk about your wife before, um, and she seems to be a bit of a rock for you. 
She is. I should be. I should big up there because they've they've encouraged me to to do as much as I possibly can when I can. And she'll she if I've been sat down for too long, she she say, "Come on, time to get up. Time to move round." I mean, even if my legs are bad, she'll she'll make me get up and sort of do some movement. And she's not doing it to be nasty. She's doing it because she knows it'll help me. And I might be a bit of a grumping girl. Oh, I can't really get up at the moment. And but one of the best things she does is she she believes in me and she supports me. Oh, that's lovely. Because I can't I I can't cook anymore, and I've not been able to do that for years because it's just too dangerous. Holding a pan of 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 water, and I can't. I struggle to make drinks for myself, you know, coffees and teas, because I just end up spilling everything. Mm. Uh, it really is my 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 rock. But more than that, she's 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 a friend. She's a, a friend and a soul soulmate as well. And she's always encouraging me. And I think I do the same to her. Don't get me wrong, because we're a team, yeah. and I think that's super important. And my, my my son, my stepson as well, Connor, he's fantastic as well. If when people say 10 million people around the world have got Parkinson's, they're not telling the truth because we're affected with Parkinson's. I would say it's probably more like 40 million because every single person that meets somebody with Parkinson's, everybody is affected by it. I think just to, just to sort of put it so narrowly into the one person... And we've we've got we've all got friends and and partners and family who who are affected in some way, but they all contribute to our well being. Yeah, the way I put it is, um, our our loved ones, our partners, they are also in a way living with this condition. Exactly, and they are also very much impacted by by this condition. And um, you know, I, I'm like you. I'm, I'm very fortunate. My partner Helen, she, she's very, very, very supportive, and uh, she, she'll give me a kick when, when I need it, and she'll also give me put her arm around me when I need it. And I'm very fortunate, like like that. I should say that there are in the UK one in five people with Parkinson's living alone, and uh, that that's got to be a challenge. And also, you, you don't necessarily have to be alone to feel lonely you know this 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 condition does place stress on on relationships and uh i've seen the opposite and uh, i really feel for those people but you know family and loved ones are, are really important because you know this is not a condition that however however brave and independent you think you might be it's not something we can we can do ourselves totally agree the way that you, the fact that you said you don't have to be alone to be lonely super important that as well because people can appear to have loads of friends, loads of followers, but at the end of the day, when you close that door at night, you, mm. you're on your own, you know. And it, it, I have to say, I mean, despite my vow positivity, Parkinson's can be an incredibly lonely place at times. Mm. But we all need to find people that give us that energy and spark. You guys give me the energy in spot. That's why I was, that's probably why I've been disconnected the whole time because I've been really looking forward to coming on the show. But yeah, I think you'll, we all have to find people or things that give us that little bit of extra, a little bit of extra glow and that get up and go. Uh, just, just a question to both of you. What was it like dating with Parkinson's? <laughs> Fun. <laughs> no, lonely. <laughs> 
go on, go on, Kuhan. Do you want to go first? Or well, I, I, it, it's strange because you know, um, I, I was with somebody um, when I first got diagnosed, and um, you know, Parkinson's made me realise a, a lot of things in, in life, and one of the things I realised fairly early on that the partner I w- was with what wasn't wasn't right for me um, and I don't think I would have had that realization if I hadn't had this condition I think I would have gone on ha- leading a very I wouldn't say unhappy life but um, not a fulfilled life and um, you know I took a few decisions w- when I got diagnosed or, or 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 shortly after and one of the things I decided was you know and it was scary but I decided I was better off by, by myself than I was in a in an unhappy relationship and uh, it's a cliche to say but you know having a diagnosis it is one of the things that uh, gives you that realization um dating was quite interesting uh i had a few experiences where initially i, I wouldn't tell people because i could get away with it quite, quite frankly and um you know went on a few dates and eventually you know started telling people after a few dates and then um it scared some people off uh, other people re- didn't really know how to react um and it wasn't until um i met um helen and uh I-, I kind of knew she was the one because <laughs> i get quite emotional talking about her oh 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 sorry hey never apologize it's beautiful, actually, Kuhan. It's beautiful. Um, I, 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 I knew she was the one because I, I felt like telling her immediately. And uh, I've, I've told Dave this story before. There's, there's a pub near us called The Hope. And uh, we went there for, for our second date. And uh, hope is a, is a theme that sort of resonates for me. And uh, I told her there and then. And... Uh, She's she's been great ever since. She didn't she didn't run away, fortunately, and uh, yeah, she's 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 my rock. And um, it's uh, I'm, I'm very fortunate in that way because I realise not not everybody's in that situation. Yeah, that was beautiful, Kuhanku. And ironically enough, today it's 14 years to the very day that I went on my first date with Viv. Oh, and. The 19th is our wedding anniversary, our ninth wedding anniversary. Now, I actually didn't think anyone would want to marry me with Parkinson's. It's something I I never thought anyone would want to take me on, if you like, for want of a better word. I had the same fear as well. It's, it is. It's horrible, isn't it? But when you realise that people actually like you for you, not, I mean, I, I've, I've ne- as you know, I've never shied away from telling anybody I've got Parkinson's. So I kind of rely on a per- my, per- my own sort of personality. And if people don't like me, they don't like me. It, it's not really my me to judge. But I knew sort of almost instantly when I met Viv, because I've never called anybody love before instead in of their own name. No, not any previous girlfriends. I've never said, all right, love. Or not sort of, I just, I, in fact, I rarely call Viv. Viv, I always refer to, are you all right, love? And, I'm, and I, just, I just did that naturally with Viv. She's the first and only person I've ever done that with. 
So I guess that's some, some kind of sign. But I know for a fact that from dating previously, I mean, I, I was like, I was flattered and somebody said, oh, man, when I was a teenager and this girl had said, oh, that's got nice eyes. And I remember going around and saw my mates going, oh, this girl thinks I've got nice eyes. And nobody's very impressed, but I was. Because I've never been complimented before. You're very easy to love you too, I've got to say that. Oh, bless <laughs> you, Dave. So are you too. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Dave? It was slightly different for you because um, you, were, you were already married for some time uh, when you got diagnosed, right? Yeah, I was diagnosed at 44, but I had kids, you know, seven and four my kids were. So it was, it was a really emotional time for me. I had a big mortgage and everything, you know. So I was the breadwinner. My wife was is a clinical psychologist. So, she, you know, she was working part time. But, you know, you don't realise the stress it can put on a relationship. You know, one minute I'm on the telly, great job, you know, and I'm thinking it's all going to end. I thought my relationship was going to do as well because, you know, I thought she's not going to want to stay with me with Parkinson's, but brilliant. 12 years later, still going strong and still very much in love. Why are we always so down on ourselves? Because there's, a, there's, a, there's been a, a theme to that. Dave, you thought your lovely wife wouldn't want to be with you. Kuhan, you thought maybe, you know, Helen might not want to stay with you. I thought exactly the same. We're all nice guys, you know. So why not? Why do we have this? Why do we have this fear that people are going to reject us? It's human nature. A lot of it, you know. It's a it's a natural fear that we all have. Um, um, I think it's just heightened, like many things. It's just heightened by the Parkinson's. I, th- I feel. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It's horrible because it makes you it makes you less confident. Because we say we're all com- we're all we're all successful, confident people. We just we all all in the parky club. <laughs> Doesn't make us bad people or any worse. We have, we face different challenges on a daily basis. Hey, talking of which, Matt, I've got I've got to say, if you don't mind me remarking, you look on on screen now. You look very different to you when we started this call about an hour ago, and that's just the nature of being having on off periods, right? Uh, I, I had I met a friend recently, and, and and he said to me, "Oh, you look much better than you did the last time I saw you." And I had to explain to him the whole on off thing. Do, do you find that particularly frustrating when 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 you see people and they see you in a different state to when they last saw you? <laughs> well, it, it it is it is quite strange when people say, "Are you having an off day?" And they go, "No, I'm having an off." And that can be quite. I mean, I know people. May, say that with the best intentions just going there I'm having a bad few minutes and again unless you, unless you live with somebody or have Parkinson's themselves yourself it's very difficult to understand the fact that you might just be bad for a few minutes or half an hour doesn't make the rest of your day bad it's like later on in the day I'll forget I was like this now but it is, it's, it's a blessed relief not to be riding around and having a bad voice and what have you, <clears throat> he says. But no, it is, it's a very, very difficult condition to sort of understand yourself. So it must be so much harder for other people who don't see you 24-7. Yeah, yeah. It, I, I, I find that one of the most frustrating things about having other people react and telling people that, People don't understand that, you know, no two days are the same, no two hours are the same, no two minutes of the day are the same, you know, and, and that that's, um, that variation is difficult for others to, to understand. I find that one of the more challenging things to, to, to get across. 
Um, hey, Dave, I think we've got one final question, which uh, you, you might recognise this voice, Matt. Hi, Matt. This is Gaynor from Spotlight YOPD. We love having you as one of the trustees and our board meetings are a huge amount of fun, probably unlike most board meetings, and that's largely down to you and the banter that we have. Um, But I wanted to ask, because you came to us to volunteer your services to Spotlight, can you tell me why? Yes, very much so. Thanks for that, Gaynor. I think it's super important to get over to the general public that Parkinson's is not just a disease of old white men. Um, This is very much the, the public's perception. And indeed, a lot of student doctors who I've spoken to still put up in their presentations the image by William Gower which has been done centuries ago, of of an old white guy huddled over in his slippers, balding head. I joined Spotlight YOPD to help dispel these myths. Parkinson's is a syndrome and young onset Parkinson's disease is a different kettle of fish to your average Parkinson's. The symptoms are different. You're going to live with it a lot longer than perhaps the older people will do. And I joined Spotlight really to help identify and really try and get young onset Parkinson's disease as a separate condition to Parkinson's itself. Because people face different challenges. The symptoms are different. And as I say, People live with it for a lot longer. And that is why it's so important to distinguish the two. So thanks for the question, Gainer. But it is super important to say there is a difference. It is. You know, one in three are less than the age of 60. Uh, one in 10 less than the age of, of 50. I don't know how many less than the age of 10, but uh, probably not many. Uh, but uh, you, you're, you're quite right in saying that um, it is a different condition. You know, that we, we, as people with young onset, are more likely to experience involuntary movement, particularly dystonia and dyskinesia that we've spoken about. Dyskinesia being largely a, a side effect of the medication from prolonged use, you know, and if you've taken it for decades, as, as Matt has, you know, it's not surprising you're, you're going to be at risk of, of dyskinesia. But also at the same time, it's a slower rate of progression. It is almost like a... Um, a different flavour of, of 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 the same condition. That's the way I tried. I try to put it. And there are many many different flavours, whether it's based on age or gender or ethnicity as well. You know, I'm learning that my ethnicity might be playing a role in the type of Parkinson's that I have. So there's a, there's a lot more that's um, unknown, and uh, you know, but research is starting to unearth a lot of this. So you're 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 quite right to point this out, and it's great that we have organisations like Spotlight YRPD that are quite literally putting a spotlight on these things. Exactly, yeah. Kuang, and I must say as well, I think young onset is vastly underdiagnosed because I think I I certainly seen and learn about. An awful lot more people with young onset than I do with elderly Parkinson's. 
Possibly that's because they're more active on social media or in public anyway. But in some of the seminars and webinars and conferences that I go to, there is a general reluctance in the medical field to diagnose somebody with young onset Parkinson's. And we are in Awareness Month, and Parkinson's has been in the news recently, and and it's in the news every 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 few months or so. I come across a headline along the, along the lines of breakthrough in Parkinson's, a miracle cure, or something that's some some sort of breakthrough. And I don't know about you guys, but I on one hand I sort of get excited, on the other hand I tend to roll my eyes when I see these headlines. You must have seen it these headlines through the years, Matt. How, how do you feel when when you see he- headlines like that claiming claiming breakthroughs? It it is desperately frustrating. I mean, I I live each day as it is. I mean, I don't. I mean, yes, of course, I hold that. I hope that there's going to be a cure. But in the meantime, I just want everybody who's living with Parkinson's to, to be able to live their best life. But why haven't we had anything? I mean, I say 50 years for me, nothing. There's no real major breakthroughs in medication, really, as far as I can. There's stuff that can help. But the agonists are dangerous in themselves. So... Yeah, it gives people hope, and I think that keeps people going, and I think that that is a good thing. Matt, we, we need a bit of hope from you. We need a bit of hope from you to finish things off, because, because people listening to this will be thinking, I've just been diagnosed with Parkinson's. I'm feeling really dark. It's a nightmare. What, what hope would you give for people with Parkinson's? What would you say to them from your 50 years of experience? I would say, tell as many people as you can. You'll be surprised by their reaction. And also, never, ever be embarrassed or afraid about going out in public with your, and showing your symptoms. Because the more you can get used to going out in public, showing your symptoms, the, the easier it will be for you and your family. So, never, ever feel embarrassed. Embrace it. Do things that make you happy as well. And celebrate the little wins, like like not spilling a cup of coffee and tape take pleasure in sort of the little things because when the big things come along that'll give you even greater pleasure and they do come along and smile because it will drive people nuts because they don't know why you're smiling superb <laughs> Matt you've been, you've been a superstar thanks so much for joining us brilliant thanks ever so much Dave thanks Kuhan thanks Matt an absolute pleasure it's been lovely cheers bye bye Kuhan what an absolute pleasure it was to talk to Matt it, it was. I mean, such a fascinating, fascinating story. Fascinating guy. Um, really, just it's hard to imagine what it's like to live with the condition for half a century. But the fact, the way he took us through, you know, his childhood and then up to present day, um, it was qu- quite remarkable. You were quite emotional during that as well. I didn't, didn't quite know what to say when you you breaking down, yeah. but you know, it, it was worth keeping in. Yeah, yeah. It's. Uh, it, I still some emotions are still quite raw. And uh, particularly when I talk about friends or family, you know, it really hits home. And uh, I also find that I'm just more emotional generally with, with Parkinson's. Parkinson's does actually make you more. It makes you cry at movies and stuff, doesn't it? Oh God, I, not even just movies, but like just TV commercials and, and simple <laughs> things. You know, I I get quite emotional uh, over. I, I didn't realise it was connected to Parkinson's, but uh, yeah, I, I find myself more and more teary uh, as as the years go on. What takeaways do you get from what Matt said? 
Well, I thought it was interesting how things changed over time, not just the progression of the, of the condition, but his outlook on life. And I think that, that's a key learning because, you know, Parkinson's is not a static thing. And the fact that it's affected almost in his entire life from childhood to, to adulthood, I thought was quite remarkable. I also thought it was quite touching the way he was talking about his wife. I think it was his anniversary this, this week he mentioned. And uh, it was quite a nice dedication to his loved one, his, his partner in Parkinson's. Viv, yeah, lovely, lovely lady. Um, I also thought you you give out what you get back. So that was yeah, very much thing. so. Yeah, you, know, you give out positivity. You took yeah. a promise of positivity, and you know to do that, he's a very positive guy. You meet him, he, he radiates sunshine, and you get sunshine back if you give out sunshine. He does, and you've got a similar mentality. You know, you you, you do get what goes around comes around, and that's particularly true in Parkinson's and your outlook on Parkinson's and, and life more generally. It's always nice to to be around people that kind of bring you up and can put a smile on your face. Okay, time for a bit of this. People with Parkinson's do amazing things. The first people doing amazing things are a team of six Parkies who recently completed a tough murder obstacle course. They crawled, climbed and waded through freezing water, overcoming fears of heights and claustrophobia, the sheer brute force and resilience that showed was remarkable. They took two hours to complete a five-kilometre course. So congratulations, Anne-Marie, Joe, Seth, Laurie, Simon and Nick. You're amazing! I saw this before and after photo where, where they were sort of in clean gear before and by the end they were literally covered in mud. <laughs> People with Parkinson's do amazing things. Next up, all the dopamine dancers who strutted their stuff for Parkinson's awareness in April. Use the hashtag Dance for Parkinson's and Dopamine Dancer PD to see some amazing movers and shakers from our community, including a professor of neurology. Yeah, it's wonderful. Um, anything to ra- raise awareness and also have a bit of fun and also dance in the fact that you're getting move- movement and a uh, little bit cheesy, but um, it re- it's really effective in terms of getting the message across. Nothing wrong with a bit of cheese here and there. <laughs> uh, yeah, why not? Why not? And finally, I stumbled across this guy called Christian Cook, a.k.a. the shaky athlete who's posing, posting some amazing videos on Instagram of him kayaking off the coast of Maui, carrying large rocks underwater and stretching on the beach with a tree on his shoulders. Get another, yet another person with Parkinson's doing amazing things. It's quite stagger- staggering some of the things that people with Parkinson's end up doing. And uh, we've got a, a guest in our next episode uh, who's um, running the marathon after... How long with Parkinson's? 20 years with Parkinson's, yeah. 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 So that, that'll be another inspirational story, I'm sure. Okay, um, that's about all we've got time for. Don't forget, you've got to rate and like our podcast. Uh, that, that gets us more listeners, isn't it, Kevin? Yeah, please do uh, spread the word and um, two parkies in a pod.com or on Apple or Spotify podcast. Hope you enjoyed this episode. We'll see you next time. See you next time. Cheers. Cheers.